and he's been a missionary in Ethiopia. In fact, this cross right in the middle is from him, a gift of many years ago. I uh, brought it out in, in honor of, of today. So Dan, uh, he's going to introduce himself and tell us a whole bunch of wonderful things. <laughs> oh, sorry, I got to really... If you're a child, age four through fourth grade, you may be dismissed at this time. pleasure to be here with you um, today and for Beth and I to, to be back again. And um, we've been, if you'll notice up on the picture here, it says that FBC staff in Ethiopia. You haven't seen us around very much. We're non-local staff. So, but we are back and have been connected, as, as Nate said, to the church for many years, for um, almost two decades, 19 years that we've been serving in Ethiopia. Uh, but my roots go back even further. I'm from Salinas, so um, I was born and raised there, and so I've known First Baptist Monterey pretty much all my life. Um, didn't go here um, from the other other churches and the other other side of um, the county there, but um, it's very good to be here. Um, I want to mention to you, we've got in the back there, there's a table, and on there are some prayer cards. We'd love for you to grab one of those and be able to pray for us, to be remembering us in your prayers. Um, and then I also need some assistance because we've got a couple kids in here still. Let me get you. These two. So they both had their, they were, the two on the end, they were kind of going off to the side. Come here, come here and hold this for me. Come on, quick, 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 quick. Run, run, run. You can run in church to get to the flag. Okay, there you go. So, there, you've got to hold it up high. There you go, so everybody can see it, because they couldn't see it before. See this flag? What flag is this? Ethiopia. You're all wrong. No, this is actually Bolivia. Okay, this is the Bolivian flag. Now you've got to turn it over. Okay, here we go. There you go. Now, that's, now you can say Ethiopia, and you'll almost get it right, because I don't have, there's a kind of funky blue star that we have in it now, but these are the basic Ethiopian colors. You guys were awesome. Thank you. <laughs> but I'm um, going to share with you um, today some, um, some of the things that we've been involved in in ministry, um, get you caught up to date, and also to give you some reflections. As we have... Um, for nearly 20 years now, been following God's call on our lives in Ethiopia. But even before that, as kids, and as we continue following God's call on our lives, for Beth and I and for each one of us here, and some things to, for all of us to be reflecting on that I really want to be sharing with you um, today. But let's start with prayer. I'd like to so ask the Lord to be with us during this time. Father, I ask that you, through your Holy Spirit, would guide each one of us the things that you have in store for us. Lord, and that's different for each one. Lord, we each have a relationship with you, and you speak to us. Pray, Father, that you would guide and direct us this morning. Thank you for your love for us. Amen. All right, here's the... get the... Oops, I went too many. I'll get used to it eventually. It's new, new technology. But this is um, our family. Oh, I went back again. There we go. There's the family. Stay there. I won't touch anything else. 
got the kids. We're, we're now empty nesters. All our kids are here in the States while we're still in Ethiopia. And we've been on a longer home assignment this time, about six months that we have been out of Ethiopia, the longest we've been out of Ethiopia in about 15 years. Um, but part of that was our son's graduation, number two, and there in the tall one in the middle. Um, he just graduated from Liberty University, and so that was part of the reason we're here a little bit longer. See um, Rebecca, Nathan, and Josiah. Give you a little bit of an update on them. Some of you um, know them. Boy, this is touchy. How do you deal with this every week? It's just me. It's my electric, electronic magnetism or something. It's contacting it. Um, anyway, just to give you an update on, on our kids, this is Rebecca. She graduated from Liberty three years ago and now is serving as an ICU nurse in, um, in Virginia. I was going to say in Ethiopia, but not there. Um, Nathan just graduated from Liberty University. He is planning to join the U.S. Army. He's been in Ethiopia for the past three months, just got back two months ago, or two days ago, rather, um, doing an internship there working with um, one of our teams up in the north that is working with the Orthodox Church. But he is hoping to join the Army and then become a Special Forces medic, so you'd be praying for him. Um, and then Josiah, number three, he's entering into his third year at Liberty University, and he is a um, a global studies major. He'd like to go into missions someday and has two more years to go. He'll have an internship overseas coming up likely to Thailand in the spring of 2019. Um, so there's a little bit of an update on our family. And then some background on SIM, just to give you an understanding of, of what SIM is and then also about Ethiopia, the context that we work in in Ethiopia. Um, as you can see in this picture from a, a, one of the tribal um, nomadic people groups in Ethiopia, very remote, but SIM's purpose is to make disciples where Christ's name is least known. That is what we do, and so we are constantly on the move. As we have success in one area, we no longer need to be there, and we will move on to those areas where Christ's name is least known, whether that be in Ethiopia or around the world. Um, SIM, Sudan Interior Mission, originally, back over 100 years ago, about 125 years ago when SIM was founded, um, the Sudan at that time was not referring to the country of Sudan that we think of today, but to the whole belt across Africa below the Sahara Desert. And so when the three founders of SIM went into the Sudan, where there was no gospel witness at all, they went into Nigeria. And they wanted to go inland, SIM, Sudan interior, because that's where there was no gospel witness. And they did that at the time, and within six months, two of those young men, the oldest of the three was 24 years old, but within six months, two of them were dead from the diseases. Roland Bingham um, was able to come go back to Canada. He made a second attempt, almost died again, and then finally was successful. So those were the beginnings of SIM's ministry in um, the Sudan. 
And from that, through these 125 years, we've expanded through different mergers into SIM so that we're working throughout all of Africa, um, in South America, throughout Asia, and then just recently through another merger into the Middle East. And that's just now beginning and also looking into North Africa. But these constant changes that we look to as we want to expand the kingdom of God to where Christ's name is least known. Um, looking at the context of Ethiopia, it's very diverse. Ethiopia is the second largest country in Ethiopia for population, about 100 million people. And it's not just all one context, but very different. So we have tribal peoples, um, such as you would, you would see in National Geographic. The, the Morsi people would be one example, where the women wear the lip plates, um, things like that, that you're just like, wow. And that's about 3% of the population of Ethiopia. And they are animistic, so they're worshiping and in fear of the spirits. Um, in a very um, tribal way, they are um, nomadic um, cattle herders. So those types of things in their, in their culture that you can see here. And there are a number of these people groups that have yet to hear the gospel, okay, where Christ's name is least known. And some of them with those names, Nyangatom, Sori, Morsi, Bale, Male, Tara, Gumuz, Dasanach, Bodhi, Bana, Kwegu, Taposa, and others. And our desire in amongst those areas, way down primarily in the south of Ethiopia against the borders of Sudan and Kenya, is to see those peoples come to faith in Christ in a way that is meaningful, that makes sense to them. They're nomadic cattle herders, and they do not want to settle down and build a house and become farmers. That's not what they want. But what does the gospel look like when it is transforming the lives of people who really don't care about living in a house or going to the office for work? They want to be out with their cattle. What is that going to look like? How is it going to make sense to them in a way then that they can pass that on to the neighboring peoples? And what we want to see is the gospel moving like a fire from one people to another across the borders. The border between Ethiopia and Sudan means nothing to these people. They just take their cattle where they go. There's nobody out there telling them, oh, you just stepped over the line. But that is a part of our context, about 3% of the population. Um, there are also a number of Muslim peoples and those who are far from the gospel who need to become disciples of Christ. And in this picture, I love this picture because this is one, it's from the Afar people. They are a nomadic camel herding people. But to be Afar is to be Muslim. That's just, that they can't even imagine anything else. But this clan leader in, the, in this picture who's leaning back, he's now our brother in Christ. He has come to faith in Christ. He's a Christ follower. And in this picture, he's actually hearing for the very first time, read to him, the stories of the Old Testament from Genesis about Abraham and the deep meaning that that has for him as a nomad, just as Abraham was, as an elder, as the clan leader for his people. And how does he lead them wisely? 
in a culture where if he gets to be known as a, a Christian or a Highlander, he would be killed. How does he lead wisely? And he looks to God for that, but to be hearing for the first time. And there are a number of other peoples, Muslim peoples in Ethiopia, Marako, Silti, Bertha, Guragi, Alaba, Barana, Bale, Arsi, Harari, Somali, Kareyu, Amhara, Afar, Argoba, Arsi, Oromo. These peoples who have yet to hear the gospel, to have the church planted in their midst so that they can worship the one true God. We also, in our context, I didn't mention Muslims are about 34% of the population of Ethiopia. So it's a large percentage of the Ethiopian um, population. Um, the largest um, percentage is the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, about um, 46%, about 50 million people who are a part of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. And they are a very ancient church going back to the 300s. I mean, we can't even fathom that. You guys are old here. And I grew up in Salinas. Petra Bible used to be Calvary Baptist, and we were like 50 years or something. You guys have over 100 years of history. But here, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church has nearly 2,000 years, especially if you look back even into the New Testament, the Ethiopian eunuch in that story. Um, and so this deep biblical history background that they have, but also what happens with time with all of us, we can drift, we can slip away, especially if all of our church leaders are illiterate and you don't even have access to the scriptures, not just for you know a couple years, but hundreds of years potentially. And that's part of the history of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. But they have hung on to God. They don't clearly understand him. And so our team, especially the one that our son Nathan was working on in the far north, has been working with the Orthodox Church to work with them to bring renewal in the church in a way that they can understand, but to become transformed by the scriptures, transformed by the Holy Spirit. And we're seeing that happen in a number of places within the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. This is our son, Nathan. He's the one there in the red in the back that, who is um, working with our team up there in the north in a youth center where hundreds and hundreds of kids every day come through that youth center. And then they're getting into Bible studies and getting into the word of God and being transformed by the Spirit. I want to look at two passages of Scripture with you um, that I want us to be reflecting on as I go into this next stop, next section, because I'm going to be talking a little bit about my history, okay, the way in which God has worked in my life as He has led me and as I have followed Him through the years. But these two passages that have been very important to me through the years, and this first one from 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 14, says, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. In this 
ongoing theme, really, through Scripture, where God works through young people. And I always loved this passage of Scripture because it talked about don't let the old people look down on you because you're young, but set an example. And, you know, that was... I've always resonated with this until I recently realized this, this isn't talking to me anymore. This, isn't, this one isn't for me. It was good when I was young, but I, I ain't there anymore. Um, but still, that sense in which God is continually working with us. For all the little ones that are in here, the ones that have gone out, and the ones that are in the middle... Wherever we are, God is speaking to us, just as he did in the scriptures with Samuel, with David, with Daniel, Joseph. And another passage of scripture, also from Timothy, but from the second letter that Paul wrote, looking at the other extreme, because this is Paul when he's looking back at his life. Now this one starts to fit me more now, not quite there yet, but says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. There isn't some point at which God gets tired of working with us. Throughout our lives, from the time we are very young, all the way to the very end, to the very end, when our lives are being poured out like a drink offering, that that picture that Paul gives, because he was very close to his death, and he knew it at that time. But the Holy Spirit continually is working in us, guiding us as we continue to follow him, continually challenging us into new things, into extending his kingdom. As we continue to look at this then, reflecting on those passages, this is my family um, in Salinas, when I was, I'm the one there in the, the bottom front with the, can't really see, I have a cool white tie on. I was dressed very nicely. Um, if you go and look, that, that nice green shag carpet, I think it was about like this long, just lime green shag, gorgeous stuff. But out of a real family, out of a real family in this area, I grew up halfway between Monterey and Salinas in, in Corral de Tierra. Um, and out of a real family. That's where I came from. That's where God was speaking to me, calling me into his service from the time I was young. Beth was growing up in Ethiopia at that time. Her parents were also missionaries with SIM in Ethiopia. So her three brothers were born in Ethiopia. Her family went in 1958, her parents. Her brothers were born, and then she was born in Minnesota, on home assignment, and then went back to Ethiopia when she was about three months old, and then was there through the age of 13. So God was speaking to her over there as a young child. And this picture is the two of us there. Uh, that's me, on, I'm the one on the left, by the way. 
okay? Um, but this discovering God's call. I'm five years old in that picture. I was going to Monterey Park School in Salinas, kindergarten. This is my kindergarten class picture. I knew at that age the importance of the gospel, the importance of missions. Because it had been shared with me at church. I had heard the stories from the scriptures. I'd had missionaries coming into our church. And the cool thing showing, you know, the, the stuff that really stood out to me was the Heinrichs. I don't know if there's anybody who's been around that long. They were uh, missionaries with Wycliffe that used to be supported a lot of churches through this area. Probably First Baptist supported them as well. But they had this cool python skin because they came from Brazil. And it was like, wow. And seeing these different things these, um, that would come with the missionaries and the stories they would tell. But I knew, I remember at this age, the importance of mission, the, the importance of God's call on our lives. And then Beth there on the right, again, in Ethiopia at that point, that God was working in her life. This then is me in sixth grade. Actually, just, actually, it's my seventh grade picture. This is the, the um, school year after, um, the summer um, then. I had been to church camp, Silver Spur. Anybody know Silver Spur? A lot of us went to that, still go to that, that camp. Twelve years old, being at camp, and the missionary speaker at that camp that week had been challenging us and then asked, is there anybody here who is considering the possibility of maybe being a missionary someday. And I stood for prayer at that age in sixth grade that God was speaking to me in my life about where he wanted me to go someday. And it wasn't, he did not say Ethiopia at that point. That came much later. But nonetheless, that God is working in us and the importance, he can reflect on that as well, the importance of discipling our kids, the things that we're doing, the importance of serving in the Sunday school or in um, as the kids go out wherever they are right now. I don't know where you've sent them. I don't, I don't think they're just sitting in a closet someplace. But somebody is with them investing in their lives when they're running around and we are investing in their lives the importance of that, because God speaks to our children just as he speaks to us. 1989, there we are, newlyweds, just married right there. But I, again, I'm from Salinas, went to Salinas High School. Then Beth and I met at Biola University um, down in um, Southern California. I went on several short-term mission trips, um, two specifically to the Dominican Republic that were very influential for me. Um, took the perspectives on the world missions um, um, perspectives class that was very influential. Um, but God was developing in us. We were married. I was teaching at Gambetta Middle School in Castroville, a middle school teacher, training us, preparing us for future ministry. And then in 1994, we just had our daughter, just the oldest at that point, um, Rebecca, and... We went off for a year to Africa 
to go teach in a school for missionary kids. And that was off. We, I, one year teaching there at Bingham Academy and falling in love with the country of Ethiopia, falling in love with the ministry there and getting a vision for being involved in MK education because without some place for kids to go to school, there aren't going to be many missionaries out there. Okay, there is homeschooling now, which there wasn't as much, but still, there's, there's those support things. And I had a real vision for that, that God developed during that year. And then we came back to, to Salinas, back to this area, and spent another four years getting ready. And then in 1999, this is, we had all of the family there, all three of us, and this is when we got connected, back in 1999, that this church body began to partner with us in ministry. And so through these many years of partnership, we sold everything we had, owned a home, sold it, put everything into 34 boxes and got on the plane um, and went to Ethiopia and raised our kids overseas. This is in, in Ethiopia, the kids growing up there a little bit, and a lot of fears. There's a lot of those things. A number of you are in the military, and you travel around with your kids and stuff like that, and you have overseas assignments, and that fear that we have for our kids, because we're away from family. We don't have those things that are so important, but for different reasons, we give that up. And here they are, just an encouragement to you guys, they're not too overly deprived, I don't think. They're looking pretty good. We're proud of our, our three kids, the way they're, they're turning out so far. Um, anyway, just some, some background. Looking at my story, and I hope that speaks to you some. Where God is calling you and the importance of discipling. Again, don't let them look down on you because you're young. It speaks real directly to the young, but it should speak to us who are older as well, too, the importance that God places on our children and youth. This next picture, switching a little bit into more what we're doing, what we're involved in. There's Beth. Um, her ministry has really been revolved around hospitality and projects. We joke that if, if there's a lot of people and they need to be fed, Beth is usually right in the middle of it. So she's like fed everybody in the mission and beyond and everybody at Bingham Academy multiple times without ever having them into our, houses into our house necessarily. So it's been um, a lot of fun to see her share her gifts so broadly with so many um, and she's also been the glue that's kept us alive on the field for many years, too. Um, but food and lots of people. A lot of times we, as she's preparing, doing logistics for these things, getting into business relationships with um, restaurant owners and those business relationships, which you could just do your business and go on, but they become friends and relationships that grow out of that. Beth is so gifted in. Um, this next picture is um, reflecting for me a little bit, a restructured personnel team. For the last three years, I've been personnel director for SIM Ethiopia. We have um, about 100 missionaries on our field. It's SIM's largest field worldwide. And so there's a lot of 
working with people that's done. And so I've been personnel director for that. Just before we came home, we had gone through a restructuring of our whole personnel department and then turned that over to Ethiopian leadership. So the um, three ladies there um, are now running the personnel department without me. They're doing the job, taking care of all those things that need to be done. And so I'm kind of, I'm kind of without a job now. I'm out of, out of work here. Um, and so as we prepare to go back the end of October, looking, okay, what are those next steps for us? What does God have in store for us as we continue to follow his lead in our lives, as we continue to follow him? Some of the other things that we've been involved in, church planting initiatives that I've um, had the joy of kind of giving um, support to and strategic direction. This is a small church fellowship that was established in a Muslim area. Um, those are all Muslim background believers, now followers of Christ. It came out of one of our ministries. It was a, a health clinic in this very remote rural area. And they shared the gospel stories with a woman who came in to have, um, who was actually going to die in childbirth, but our doctors, two doctors saved her life, and then she was in the clinic for two weeks. So every day, one of the nurses went in and shared stories from the scriptures with her, the Old Testament, every day, going back. And then when she was released, went back to her, um, to her village, they followed up the next week and went and, again, told stories from the scriptures. And then they came back the next week, and interestingly, there were a couple more people there that were hearing the stories. And then they came back the next week, and there were more. And this group just kept growing because they were hungry for the word of God that was being shared with them and the way in which it was changing them. So it's been a joy to be a part of some of those things. I've been involved in theological education through the years. I mentioned when we first went out, I was working in MK education, missionary kid education. Um, in administration with that. Then I shifted to theological education, teaching at the seminary. And then I've been in church planting initiatives and, and leadership. I've been through a lot of different things. But some of my um, past students, these are from the Goragi people group. About 2% of the population of the Goragi people, it's the fourth largest people group in Ethiopia, about 2% are Protestant. The rest are dominantly Muslim and Orthodox. And so these young men, who are all former students of mine, are now responsible for planting more and more churches. And every time I talk to them, that's what we talk about. How many, how many churches are there now? And it's gone from 30 to 60, and I'm not even sure where it's at right now. But as they develop that through the years and their passion for extending God's kingdom, um, and just the joy of having had a part in that, some of my other um, students, Yosef and Sinadu. Yosef, um, I taught at ETC, the Evangelical Theological College, for a number of years. And then he and his wife went off to India um, to serve there. They've now been serving in India for over 10 years. And I got to teach Sinadu when she came home on home assignment one time. So that had her in one class as well. But now they're in India, extending God's kingdom. Amdihun and Martha are in Pakistan. Amdihun, a former student of mine, Martha, she was an SIM employee. She was working in our guest house as a cleaner. 
met Amdi Hun, they got married, and now the two of them have been in Pakistan serving as missionaries for over five years now. Abra and Desta, they served for five years in Pakistan. He's fluent in Urdu. He's fluent now in Chinese, not Chinese. Which one is it? Mandarin is the right one. I always get it, forget which it, which it is. But now he's fluent in Mandarin. So five years in Pakistan, five years, actually more than five now in China. So these men and women who have come out of the church that was planted in Ethiopia, who are now going out and serving God as missionaries. And they are full members of SIM, just as I am. No difference between us, just the place we came from, but brothers and sisters working together. We would really appreciate your prayers for Beth and I as we now look to our future. We've been 19 years in Ethiopia, and we're starting to sense that there, it's time for us to be looking elsewhere, especially with our parents um, getting older and um, needing our help. We may be shifting back to a ministry based in the States, maybe a year and a half or so, and looking at how, what's, what's God's next step for us? Okay, how does he want us to serve him? How do we take the things that he has used, that he has built into us over these last years of ministry and invest them more powerfully for the kingdom? So as we continue to follow God's direction, one of the things that I've been involved in more recently on a broader international scale is getting into um, leader development internationally. Um, so beyond the country of Ethiopia. So this is Daniel. He's South African. He's responsible, has been over the last two years that I've been mentoring him, responsible for the, the smaller countries in Southern Africa, um, helping them because they're, they don't have, they're not like Ethiopia with 100 missionaries. They've got two or three. And they don't have the resources. And so he's been leading our Southern Africa um, Services Center and also the Eastern Africa Service Center. Um, but just a huge job to support all of the work in these different countries. But I've been working with him, and he's a South African. Um, we have our growing East Africa Sending Office, sending out missionaries from Ethiopia and from other East African countries. Um, and this is Worku and Kiruvel, who are the directors of that. Um, Worku is, a, again, an SIM missionary just as I am. And as they're looking at how do we send out missionaries very differently, very much, much more complicated when you're sending from one of the poorest countries in the world than when you're sending from America, where we just have so much money to burn that we can spend it on million-dollar cars or I don't know, what was that one sold for? It's like, you know, just insane things that we're doing here. But how does it work going from that culture? How does, it go, how does it work to send out missionaries when it's illegal actually to send funds out of the country? How do you support your missionaries with that? Okay, and so there's all kinds of challenges that these men have to, have to face as they organize more and more missionaries going out from East Africa. There we go. SIM International Director. Our, my boss, our ultimate boss, 
is God. Okay, we're not talking about God, not on that level, but the, you know, the, the head of SIM internationally is Dr. Joshua Bogonjoko. He's not from around here. He's Nigerian. My boss is Nigerian, and I love that. Um, look, I just was able, it was with a um, large gathering, he shared his testimony, and he showed us a picture of his village. His parents were the first to come to faith in his family. So just uh, 10, 15 years before he was born. His village is still a village with grass huts. And he has a real passion for seeing the kingdom expanded because that's where he came from. His village, the SI missionaries, went first there in the 1930s. And they shared the gospel, and half of the village came to faith in Christ. The other half that were really committed to worshiping demons took off. That's where his family was. They took off and moved away to get away from those missionaries and all that. They wanted to keep following the demons. And then the missionaries came again, followed them. And eventually that village came to Christ as well. And that's his heritage. And that's why he's so committed and why we as an organization and SIM are so committed to making disciples where Christ's name is least known. Some things going on in Ethiopia that you can be praying about. This is our new prime minister. He's been in for five months. He's a brother, he's a brother in Christ, a strong believer. And he's, in five months, transformed the country. We've spent the last two years just not knowing what's going to be going. We've had to cancel teams that were coming out. People have been leaving um, the field, all kinds of things, because of the political um, instability. Dr. Abi has come in, and he's settled the war with Eritrea. He has brought peace here and there. He's constantly talking about love and reconciliation, taking Christian theology and bringing it into his leadership of the country. So pray for him, because it's not all going to be easy. It's going to be challenging in many ways, but it's also very important. Developing opportunities. Um, SIM is now moving into North Africa. We have missionaries in um, Tunisia now, uh, another couple that is getting ready to go into Libya. Uh, we're exploring things in both Algeria and in Morocco. And this is just a, a part of the world, an area of the world that the Lord's putting on my heart. Uh, again, as we look at, you know, where is God calling us to next? What's that going to look like? Um, we've also done a merger um, a merger of a smaller mission into us from the Middle East. SIM Sudan Interior Mission. Now we're all over the world, which is why we just say SIM now. But God is calling us, and it's been neat to see as this smaller mission moved in, um, became a part of SIM, we've already started repositioning people into the Middle East. And to see that area of ministry starting to grow. And it's one of the things as I look to the future, as we're potentially going to be working out of the SIM um, USA office back in Charlotte, um, to be focused on these areas, but mentoring new missionaries. New missionaries going into North Africa and the Middle East. The, life, the average lifespan of a missionary today is about seven years. About how long long-term missionaries stay on the field, about seven years. 
How do we increase that? How do we bring down the attrition rate so that we can get people to be in ministry much longer? I can tell you from experience, we've been on the field for 19 years, I'm a whole lot more effective now than I was after one year or after seven. There's so much more I've learned that God has been able to use in me to strengthen others. How do we do that, especially in an area like North Africa where it's really hard? It's going to be very difficult. So we covet your prayers. And again, that reminder, what is God doing? What is he doing in your families with your kids? How is he challenging your kids? How's he challenging you guys? Right there. How's he challenging those of us on the other end of that? He never stops working with us. He never gives up on us. He never lets us just sit. If we're just sitting comfortable, we're not where God wants us. I can guarantee that. I can absolutely guarantee it because there's always more that he is wants to, to bring us into, to draw out of us. So I challenge you to be thinking about those areas. And again, we just want to thank you so much for your partnership with us in ministry. We could not serve in Ethiopia for these past 19 years without a strong support team. We have 11 churches and about 40 individuals that support us financially, others that pray but it's that partnership of the body of Christ together. Okay, and that's why we are. We are FBC staff in Ethiopia because we are working together in ministry. So we want to thank you for being a part of that and that we can be serving there and other missionaries that you support elsewhere, but being committed to that and seeing your children and others discipled. Let me close in prayer and just ask the Lord's blessing on you as a body. Father God, I thank you for First Baptist Church Monterey. Lord, I thank you for the, the people that are here now. The ones that you have called here. Some you've called for a while. We know there's always our... Um, those who are coming through in the military and the blessing they are to us and where you're taking them next. I know the um, conversations I've had through the years with different ones here. I pray your blessing on them. Lord, on this body as you guide, as you guide into more ministry, what's next? What do you have for this body? Again, I just thank you for them. In your son's name, amen.